an A&E original podcast. You know what? You know who I got recently? Harry Styles. I saw your Instagram story, but let me tell you, (laughs) Harry has been that boy for a long time. I didn't see it. Harry is fine. Harry got moves. Harry got vocals. (laughs) Harry got swag. This is a Harry Styles fan account now. You know what? I supported him from afar, and then I saw his performance. I was like, you're kind of like not my fine, but you're like a... I wave in the wind like a windy girl fine. I was like, I get you. He got you on that watermelon sugar high, huh? Yes. Hey, everyone. Welcome to The Table is Ours, a podcast where we celebrate, highlight, and discuss issues affecting the Black community with our Black faves. From Black motherhood to mental health and trailblazing, we cover all the themes. With me today is my favorite co-host, Amira Lawali. If Amira were a rom-com, she would be always be my maybe because it's all my favorite things wrapped up in one. Comedy, Good Food, and directed by a woman. Shout out to feminism. Oh, I love that. And this is Kirby Dixon, my favorite co-host. If Kirby was a rom-com, she'd be Love Jones. Hey. Because she is classic, a little New York swag to her, and she's very artsy. You better speak on it. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, each week I have to ask, girl, how are you? I'm good because you got me thinking about my favorite rom-coms again. Yes. What's your favorite? <laughs> so last night I actually made my boyfriend rewatch for the 10th time. Um, <laughs> Someone Great on Netflix. Okay. I love that movie because it's not like a relationship rom-com. It's like a friendship rom-com. And those are like, friendship is like your true heart. Okay. And I think when it first came out, I was going through a bad friendship breakup. So I just, oh, that movie's so good. It's so okay. funny. Can it's we about talk about that squad. though? Friendship? Breakups are worse than romantic breakups. Oh, it's 10 times worse. Oh, it's it's way worse. And it lingers longer. Yeah. Okay. I've never watched that, but it's on my to-do list. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> I think mine would have to be something new with Sanaa Lathan. Mm, that's a good choice. Yeah. I mean, I love it because it reminds me one of my aunt who was like obsessed with her love interest in the film. And now I love him too as a result. <laughs> but I just love Sanaa Lathan. Anything she's leading in, you got me hooked from the jump. So I think that's my favorite rom-com. Yeah, I love rom-coms because they just, like, make you feel good. And mm-hmm. I think that's something that we all deserve right now. Like, I just want to laugh every night. And yes. I want to, like, feel good. Like, there's – I don't want to overthink things. I want to be, like, natural. They're so good. Can I also just say I love love? Like, I love Aww. love to the point where all of my shows outside of rom-coms are love shows. It's so bad. Like, The Bachelor, Married at First Sight, Love Temptation After Lockup, Island, Love After Lockup. <laughs> If you name it, I'm probably watching it. So when people ask me what my favorite show is, I was like, I don't really know. <laughs> I can't tell you because I'm not watching anything like of substance, but yeah, I am watching the love shows. <laughs> you know who was surprisingly a huge rom-com fan? Our guest this week. Yes. Shout out to Lil Rel. And you know Lil Rel from Uncle Drew. You know him from the Carmichael show. And he's your favorite TSA agent in Get Out. Yes. Keep the tea away from him, sis. (laughs) We talked to him about how he got his start in comedy, being a girl dad, his incredible relationship with the Miss Tina Knowles Lawson. And we talked to him about his new film out now on Netflix called Bad Trip. Lil Rel, let's get it. 
You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Okay, it is so, so nice to speak with you. What up? <laughs> we actually start every episode with the same question because it's been such a trying year. It's been a hard year, but everyone's just kind of like pushing through it. But our first question is, how are you? How are you really? I am doing very well. I'm very grateful and blessed to still be able to uh, work in this environment. My, my babies are healthy. Uh, life is good. You know what I'm saying? And I'm still, I'm just, I'm really, I'm alive. It's probably the happiest I've been in a long time. Like, I'm really happy, which is, you know, I know it's tough times, but I feel like it's brought everybody together, too, in a, in a way. That's interesting. That's what I like, too. I like that. I think we're all loving on each other more because of what the world became, especially Black people, you know, after the interaction, whatever they call it. It's like, hey, man, we ain't got to participate in all that yet. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I'm doing great. <laughs> so, we both love you from Get Out, from the Carmichael show, me personally. <laughs> yes. But I feel like I've never learned your, like, secret origin story. Like, how did you get here? Like, how did you go from Milton to Little Rel? Can you walk us through that? Well, Little Rel was a nickname that I got in high school. So, um, and it's just from basketball. I play. I made the Frost Soft team. One of the seniors that was the captain of the varsity team saw me, and he's like, "Yo, who is that?" He's like, "Oh, that's Darrell cousin." He's like, "Oh, what's up, Little Rail? I'm like, "No, nah, my name is Milton." He's like, "Nah, it's Little Rail." I'm like, nah. <laughs> and uh, that's that's actually Lewis Johnson. I always give him props because he, he gave me the nickname Little Rail, and it took his own personality, and that's where I've been since then. <laughs> is that how you introduce yourself? Do you introduce yourself as Lil Rel or do you say Milton? No, nah, Lil Rel. No, nobody calls me. Nobody in my family. Because that's another thing too. My dad and my grandfather's name is Milton. So like a nickname was going to happen. I've always had like a nickname. Yeah. Yeah. Can you kind of walk us through your comedy journey? Like how did you get into comedy? What pushed you there? I, I love stand-up comedy. Ed, Eddie Murphy is, is you know, when I saw Delirious for the first time in like years, I was a kid. I wasn't even supposed to be watching it. Uh, <laughs> that's always the case. That's <laughs> always the case. Like, that's, what, that's what I'm going to do then. I'm going to just talk crazy. No, uh, <laughs> but no, Eddie Murphy is the kickoff to all of this. And, and Living Color, and Saturday Night Live, and it was like, you know, watching Robert Townsend, watching Martin, and then just falling in love with the old sitcoms. Like, I'm a TV and film nerd, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I watched everything. And at some point, I I, I wrote a show called, <laughs> it used to be a show NBC called Name Your Adventure that uh, Mario Lopez hosted. And I actually wrote the show to meet Ken and Ivy Wayne's. And then they like, wow. they sent me a letter back, like, sorry, they canceled the show. So, <laughs> damn. Like, so, yeah, I, like, I've always known I wanted to do this. So right after high school, I jumped, I jumped right into comedy, stand-up, yep. That's awesome. I admire knowing at an early age, like what direction you wanted to go into. Because I was a little- Absolutely. I was a mess. <laughs> was there a turning point for you where you realized it wasn't just something you loved, but it was like, this is going to be my career. Like, this is going to like, what I'm going to do for life. And this is how I'm going to change people's lives. Like, this is what I want to do. Yeah. When did you know you could make money off of comedy? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> well, it's funny you say that. It was my 21st birthday. And D. Ray Davis, shout out to D. Ray, gave me my first $100, right? 
mm-hmm. like randomly too, because I was supposed to get paid for the show. He let me perform. And I, guess, I don't know. I don't know if he felt bad because he was making like now that I noticed we talked about it, like, bro, he was making a ton of money. So you give me a hundred dollars really wasn't nothing. <laughs> uh, but uh, <laughs> he gave me a hundred dollars. But I was like, whoa, a hundred dollars for just doing what I love. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I didn't work a regular job. I haven't worked a just nine to five since I was 20. You know, so this is it's been this is everything I've ever earned, done. It's been, it wasn't no plan B. This is it. Yeah. Well, I'm totally going to just jump in here and I'm going to call my girl Amira out. So oh. Amira <laughs> actually does stand up comedy on the side as well. So I've kind of gotten a little bit of a peek into her comedic writing process. And I've learned about this entire mantra of like hiding the broccoli. Right. So like <laughs> finding the beauty in the pain. And I was recently watching a round table with you and other entertainers and comedians like Cedric, the entertainer, where you guys were discussing this idea of like striking a balance between being insightful and being hilarious in comedy, which I feel like is a responsibility that seems to weigh more heavily on black creatives, especially with the year that we just went through. So my question is, how do you personally strike that balance between being super insightful and intentional in your sets, but also being hilarious as a comedian and as an actor? A great question. I mean, like I, like I just recorded a comedy album a couple weeks ago, uh, which I can't wait for everybody to listen to it. I think it's just being honest. Like I like to talk about a lot of things. So, you know, not just my personal life, but everything that's going on. So like I kind of, that was the first time me even going on stage since last year. So I recorded wow. a whole album. <laughs> and did an hour like I, I didn't know what I was gonna talk about it was just really me getting stuff off my chest and I was just listening to it yesterday because I'm giving notes and stuff and I'm just like dang that was really honest like you know what I mean like, like, <laughs> a lot of really honest stuff um but I think I think it's just it's, it's who you are as a person you can't make yourself be something you're not right because you got yeah. some people who are just silly and that's all they don't want to like but I'm a person that loves to talk about everything and I think as I'm as I rise in this game and as I put out more stuff and that's what I think this like the album might be my best set that I've ever done. And I've done a lot of dope things. But, you know, some of my friends that were there that night, they were like, man, dude, you just look free. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, yeah, yeah. that's where you like, you, you know, when you see the greats kind of walk into this freedom of just like, man, I don't really care what y'all think. This is what I uh-huh. want to say. I mean, when you get to that point, I think that's where you become your best. Uh, when you're not trying to please and do all this stuff. So, this might be my best work because I'm talking about everything. I'm talking about protests. I'm, I like I'm going there. Like, <laughs> and it's really funny and it's really honest. So I think it's just it's just you being yourself. If that's who you are, just be honest. Honesty is the best, the greatest thing. Like, you know, when you see Richard Pryor, is a great example of you know when he came into his own. When he first started, he he was he literally was doing Bill Cosby because Bill Cosby was a man. So Richard was do, literally mimicking Bill Cosby. And then one day decided to be honest and mm. it became a whole nother, he became a great because of that. Mm-hmm. He was good. But once he just decided to be living his own honesty, man, he became this, this, this great, this just brilliant, great person. That's why like Eddie Murphy is the greatest to ever do it to me. Right. Yeah, because, yeah. because he was young and he, and like, when you think about it, the brother was 21 when he did delirious. I know. Yeah. <laughs> It's so crazy because I feel like you're touching on this idea of like when you're young, you just go there. You don't have a filter. You're willing to just push the boundaries. And then as you get older, you're like, "Mm, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I feel like that's kind of what you're touching on. But 
Do you feel like Black comedians in particular are unfairly asked to take on the burden of talking about race in comedy? Or like, can our white counterparts also talk about race in comedy without being canceled or ridiculed for their sets? Well, that's the thing about it. Just in general, right? And we and Black artists talk about this all the time. Black people, we have to represent all of us all the time anyway, mm-hmm. right? First of all, right? That's a, that's yeah. a whole thing. That's a real... But I remember having my own show and one of the most stressful things when I had my show was trying to please, trying to figure out how to please us. And I'm like, fam, right, yeah. you know, it's, it's hard to do that, man. Like, cause everybody different. Everybody always gonna have something to say. That's why at some point you really got to just do it for yourself. But I do feel like, you know, and look, white people just have a freedom to just do whatever they want anyway. So like, exactly. <laughs> They could they could literally yeah. talk about the weather. We have to talk about pain and love and everything. <laughs> yes. Oh, we're not doing it right. It's too much. Well, we, well, we were restricted. I mean, I was watching Bernie Mac's documentary for no reason. I was just watching it, uh, his biography, and he went through the same thing I did. So it was it's a comedy club in Chicago, and they used to like the black comics. They would ask us not to do certain stuff. We couldn't curse. We couldn't talk about this and that. But the white comics on the same show could say whatever they wanted to. And I had a problem with that, right? And I remember, like, checking up the manager at the time about it. And I decided one night to do what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget. I ripped it, too, put my coat on, and left. I'm like, I just, I'm never playing this club again. because I, But I didn't like that. Good for you. Yeah. Because I'm like, yeah, y'all letting them do what they want? Like, come on, fam. Oh, yeah, I won't play this club again. But tonight I'm about to kill, and I'm going to leave and right. go have a good time. So kiss my butt. <laughs> <laughs> Proud of you. I love that. That's so free. <laughs> it was real. I put a I like Frank Lucas got a little fur coat on. It was cold outside. I put that coat on. I like, walked out like, that's, <laughs> that's my time. I'm get my coat left. He you better back. know your worth. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm never play this club again. I don't care. <laughs> We're asking a lot of questions about comedy just because we love your stand up. Yeah. <laughs> Something that's often debated in comedy as well is like, how far is too far? Like, mm-hmm. are any topics off limits? To me, comedy is meant to entertain but also to make light of really complicated sometimes tragic situations and scenarios right so you mentioned Richard Pryor perfect example we see it with Dave Chappelle Eddie Murphy all of these greats do you think personally that there are any boundaries that shouldn't be crossed in comedy or are there topics that are kind of just uh uh-uh, we can't go there anymore well you know for me I and I could just only go with me I I, I I don't like the shock comic that just saying stuff just to say stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I think, you know, being yep. being mean and just, it's just weird. Like, I don't think that's cool, right? You know, so I do think it's things that we, it should be, you know, shouldn't be talked about, you know what I mean? You know, unless it personally happens to you, right? That's why, like, yes. I'm not huge in, like, talking about somebody else's business, you know what I'm saying? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, that ain't my thing, but I do think it is things that's, to me, that's, you know, that I just don't think we should talk about. I just, some things are just mean. Like, why, like what's the point of it mean? Like, that's why, look like, me, I've never wanted to be, I've never been an angry, mean comic. I, I don't want to do that. Like, I think that's insane to be like that. So I, I, that's an unhappy person. And I don't, which is why I'm glad that a lot of the shock stuff has went away. You know what yeah, yeah. Like, What's the point? You know, laughter is supposed to be medicine. It's, it's not supposed to be, but then also too, you know, I think people have to be open too to what comedy does. I think now, because nowadays people are a lot more sensitive. Like, please, you can't say that because this community. Like, but I'm like, fam, if, if I talk about everybody, including myself, it is what it is. Don't take it like that. I think joking about each other brings us together. To be honest with you, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Comedy does heal. I mean, there's a reason why if we're having bad days, Amir and I uh, just went through this. Like, we're watching rom-coms at the end of the day. Like, that's what we want to push through. I love a corny sitcom. Yes. I love a good rom-com. I'm a, like, yes. I'm a I'm a Hallmark Channel subscriber. I watch all <laughs> What is it about rom-coms that you love so much? I like the sweetness of, I mean, I like, you know what I mean? I don't want to sound corny, but like, I like love. <laughs> I like and I like seeing people fall in love and the beauty of that. It's just so even if you know what's gonna happen. Like I like watching something. I can I know exactly how this is going to end. Exactly. Going to mm-hmm. But yet I still enjoy watching them come together and figure everything out. I love that. What's your favorite rom com? That's a great question. Uh oh God. My favorite one is uh Fever Pitch. Fever Pitch is probably and Boomerang are my two favorite. Fever Pitch is the one. Boomerang. Jimmy Fallon is one of my favorite. Especially, I'm a baseball fan too, so it's, it ties all that in. It's a really sweet movie. Definitely, maybe it's not necessarily a rom com, but it's a beautiful one of my favorite movies. So that's why, like, when I did the movie, Ryan Reynolds is one of my favorite actors. So, like, when I did Free Guy with him, yeah, would not understand. I like, bro, you know, you know, understand. Like, I'm a, I'm a huge fan. He's like, yeah, okay, real. I'm like, no, nah, I'm not lying. So I'm actually nervous actually doing the movie. <laughs> I think that like as crazy as this year is like I refuse to watch like terrifying things at night so I'm only watching comedies I'm only <laughs> watching rom-coms like end of my day I want to smile and laugh and I think that's what we all deserve uh, I'm what... with you Amir even though I still watch dramas my bad <laughs> <laughs> so we read that you lost your mom yeah and we sent out condolences grief is very hard and personally I lost my dad when I was really young so I was reflecting on that prepping for this interview. And I think when I was going through my griefing process originally, I learned two lessons. One, mm. grief is everlasting. I feel like everyone, when mm-hmm. you lose someone, they're like, oh, you'll be fine. Like, it doesn't bounce back. Like, the pain lasts forever. Mm-hmm. You just carry it differently. Yeah. And two, losing a parent is a different kind of grief. Like, it, yeah. it's different. I don't know how to explain it to people who haven't lost a parent. It's just, there's something about, like, the person who raised you who wants to see you win not seeing you win and not getting to celebrate those wins with them that just hurts differently and I kind of want to ask you about your grieving process like how are you doing it like how did you handle grief kind of publicly or was it a very private matter for you well it's interesting because it was 09 when my mom passed so like you know at the time it was tough I I don't think I dealt with it well honestly because I was it, it was so much pain yeah that I wanted to feel pain. So I was like angry. I'm a man of faith. So like, that's how I bounced back. I, I truly leaned on God. You know, I had a moment just praying one day and like my mom uh, really visited me and we just had a real conversation. I ended up putting that on an episode of real is based off that. Mm-hmm. So like the episode I have where I sit down in this diner and I'm talking to her is mm-hmm. literally based off what really happened. And just whatever, it's just whatever we talked about. It just felt like it was a weight lifted off my shoulders. And from that point on, it just, you know, it's not easy. Like you said, you don't ever, it's no recovery from that. You're going to miss ever, it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But I have, I have my moments though. And I, you know, I have my moments. So like, it's just some days, I, was, I think I was talking about it in an interview that maybe a couple of days ago, like it is some days and moments, like if I'm doing her on stage that I'll stop in the middle of doing it and just people laughing and then I just, but I'll stop because I'm like, damn, I really miss her. Oh, oh yeah. My yeah. God. Or like these moments, I have these great moments that happen. And that's like, damn, that's what I wish was here. I wish I could have do this for This is what I really wanted to, you know, uh, but you know, it, but I've, 
it's a blessing that I had somebody rooting for me. So that's how I look at it. Like I I just constantly think about making her proud and, but it's life, you know, and I have children too. So like they, everybody's going to have to deal with that. That's how I look at death in general. Now my mind prepared me for how I just take in death in general. It's like, it's going to happen. It's just, it is what it is. Like it's literally nothing we can run away from. Yeah. All you can do is just keep those people you love, just their memories and just, my mom was so dope. So that's, that's all I think. I think about her and I smile all the time, which is why, like, when I do on stage, it's really just paying homage to her. Yeah, that's beautiful. You kind of touch on your kids a little bit, and that makes me wonder, after your loss of your mom, did that change the way that you want to raise the next generation of women? No, I mean, what I try to do is take a page from her book. She did such a great job with, like, you know, just, she was just dope, man. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I remember going to a private school, and it was tough, and I was... 12 and I was having a hard time and and she saw it and so then we started going to like the Bennigans on Friday just me and her and she would just sit there and let me vent <laughs> like, talk about my sixth grade problems you know what I mean <laughs> she just let me talk to her and so I've taken a lot of the stuff she's done with me and implemented that into the way I raised my babies you know what I'm saying as far as just one of the greatest things she she ever taught me was just just opening up just being open and I'm a I'm an open book I'm not like I can't talk about nothing no I'm like no <laughs> We got to talk, you know what I mean? Which is, which is interesting too. Like I think about like you know, women I date. It's like I can't deal with somebody that doesn't know how to like express themselves for real. Yeah, I like the way we got like people say we got to communicate, but like, do you truly know how to do that? Though? Yeah, but, like you it's know, hard. <laughs> it is hard. But you, but that's what I'm saying. Like I'm a open. I'm very open. I rather talk about things, you know. And that's one of the things I got from her is just being straight up and and being myself. I was a really confident, nerdy kid. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, very, like, the way I look now, I thought I always looked like this. Like, yeah, I got a beard and glasses. I look like exactly <laughs> how I thought I was going to look as a kid. I'm like, when I get older, I'm going to get some glasses. I'm going to have a, a beard. I look yeah. exactly how I wanted to look. It might sound crazy. I look exactly how I imagined I would look as an adult. That is that positive self-talk that we're always <laughs> trying to tell ourselves. <laughs> I know. I need to be on that level. Yes. Okay. Okay. Moving forward. Advice from Lil Rel. We got it. That positive <laughs> self-talk is going to be strong. So you touched on, obviously, your kids. And after the tragic passing of Kobe Bryant, there was this increased like pride in use of the terminology of being a girl dad. And we know that you are also a girl dad. And you've mentioned in previous interviews that the father-daughter relationship is quite possibly the closest thing you can get to kind of a mother's love, which to be completely honest, like what a beautiful way to think about it. It kind of like stopped me in my tracks when you said that. But every relationship we all know, (laughs) whether romantic or familial, uh, has its bumps in the road. So I want to ask, like, what were some of the learning curves you experienced as you embraced the role of being a father to a beautiful black daughter? Hey, look, well, I got, I got one daughter, I got two sons. And this is the thing about just being a dad in general, like, so I was one of those dudes that always wanted a daughter just because this don't sound crazy, but all the females I dated that was like really close to their father, I always thought that was a cool relationship. The ones like really, it is cool. it's a cool thing. And so I'm like, I can't wait to have a daughter. And, you know, Brittany turned out exactly how I thought a daughter would be. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. she's sweet. She's funny. She, and she's had these moments where she do like random stuff. Like, well, like, oh God, don't do this to me. But now like, <laughs> I love I love the fact that somebody I, I think I'm understanding women more because of her. You know, mm-hmm. this thing like I talk about it my my last day, but like, you know, her going through her time when she started, you know, 
the friend shows up. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and and you know what's crazy? I mean, look, I've dated plenty of women. I've been around, but I never understood what that felt like. I didn't realize how embarrassing that can be. Mm-hmm. All that stuff. And with with her going through all that, those different things, I started like, like, wow, I didn't realize that was that could be stressful yeah it is so stressful I can say I had a great relationship with my dad growing up I still do but I am petrified to bring anyone around him still I'm like oh my god like please don't embarrass me please don't ask him too many questions see but I love that though like I I I, I actually respect that you know what I'm saying like because you know once again but that depending on what type of man you are. I'm one of those dudes. I, yeah, I want to talk to the dad. Like, I respect it. Like, hey, brother, yeah. hey, what's up? What's, what you want to ask me, brother? You know what I mean? Like, so like, <laughs> I'm, that's because of the way I look at parenting, right? And then like, even just raising sons, which is, you know, and this is the way the world is now, that's even even harder, right? Because you're like, you're always scared, for yeah. mm-hmm. which is right in that thing. Uh, but, you know, my son being a TV and film nerd too, Judah, you know, my oldest, he's and he started out as a mama's boy because most boys are. That's most what it is. Most boys do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but then at some point, he became one of my favorite people to be around. Like to the point where my friends were like, yo, you know, he would be in our group text. I'm like, I know if he was old enough, I'd let him in. But, you know, because <laughs> he's that, he's so funny. And it's so weird. Like me and Brittany are really tight. But recently, the last year or two, me and Judah has become crazy tight because we like all the same stuff. We watch all the same stuff. Play the same video games. We like the same movies. We like dive into stuff. We talk politics, and uh, and I look like he's such a cool kid. That's another thing too is raising a young man to you know he's just a good kid. He's not like I'm a tough guy and all this other stuff. He's just he's just he's sensitive. He's cool. He has all these different layers, and that's another thing too is raising young man to just to take away the stigma of just being the tough guy and being always strong and always this and that. And it's like, that's not, that's not realistic. You know what I'm saying? And even with my daughter, it's just her being free. is so important to me. Like, yo, do whatever you want to do. You know what I'm saying? And that's, which is another great thing too. You know, I applaud my ex-wife because it's like, like these kids are cool. Like they could really be spoiled, but they're not like, dude, like if my dad was me, I'd be like, yeah, we go on so many vacations. (laughs) They they, 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 some real humble, chill kids. Like, like, and I guess because I grew up in the hood, so it might have been different. Like, so like they were born into it, but I've been talking hella crazy to everybody. Trash. What y'all do this summer? We went to five vacations in one summer. What you do? Oh my gosh, I would a hundred percent be that kid. I always tell my mom, like, I think God purposely put me where I was because I would have been reckless. I would have been a horrible child to be around. I would have told everyone, like, I got platinum cards. Like, I can, I hang out with Beyonce. That's what I'm telling you. I'm surprised how humble they are. Like, because I'd be talking crazy. Like, I met Jay Z. We sat and had a whole conversation. <laughs> What you do today? <laughs> See, I think I'd be worse than you guys because I would be the subtle shade. Like I'd be like, okay, oh yeah, I was just having lunch with Beyonce, and not even intentional. <laughs> just it would be the subtle. Yeah, I have Gucci shoes on, and you guys are gonna notice it, but I'm not gonna call it out. But <laughs> <laughs> so, but they so they're like so they just so cool, man. They so humble and. But I love being a dad. Like, I was one of those dudes, like, like since I was a kid, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to, I was like, I'm going to get married one day. Mm-hmm. I'm going uh, to have kids. And I'm going to do this. I'm going to do comedy. This, this. So I've done, like, all that stuff, you know what I'm saying? Like, which is, which is why, like, I'm divorced now. But, like, I'll do it again just because, you know, I, I look forward to marriage. I mean, it's one of those things you want to do right right now. But uh, yeah. I'm going to do it one more time, see if I do it right. <laughs> <laughs> We're rooting for you. Try. We are. <laughs> <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, this is Matt. And Sean. From Two Black Guys. With good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. So Beyonce's Brownson Girl that just won a Grammy came out this summer. And we saw, like, I saw you immediately post your daughter singing and dancing to it. And it was so touching because it was a song for her. It was for her to feel beautiful and for her to see herself. So what did seeing that kind of representation on screen for your daughter mean to you? And how important is that to you? It's so important. And, you know, not to be like that, like, well, I told Beyonce. But but I did thank her for that, though, you know. When Miss Tina hit me up because they ended up using that little clip in, in uh, her ABC special, and um, mm-hmm. they're like, "Yo, real. I'm like, oh, Miss Tina, they, they gonna she want to do that?" But Beyonce, I just like, man, it's not even just to talk about her, but she she really is a really good person, and she's and she's focused on that. It's very important for her to like, you know, to make sure every girl, especially girls of color, feel seen. You know what I'm saying? And that's what I love about that song so much mm-hmm. is. I love how like happy it made her, you know? So when we was just dancing, it was just us naturally doing what we was already doing, but it's, oh, man, you just want to make a little black girl. Like that's why like, when Tiffany won her Grammy, I mean, Tiff was just talking about this and she wanted why she was shooting kids say the darnest things. And to have that conversation and when she spoke to those little girls was just beautiful. And I, I just, you know, I, I'm so crazy. I was just talking to Tiff about that. Tiff, I got to stop watching that video because I teared up about three times. <laughs> I watched it too. Yeah, I was bawling. She was being honest in that moment, and I, I, I we lit. Was yeah. it today? We Facetime was the last night. Might be last night. And I was just like, "Yo, what I love about you is that you're you. I don't care what anybody says about you. I know who you are. I know who you, what your heart is. And I'm so thankful that we're friends. You, are, you. She's just a beautiful person, and just to speak that into those little girls and think about all the other little girls that saw her say what she said." Just a beautiful thing. I think that which I think what I love about the Grammys, the Grammys had some beautiful, just beautiful moments, man. Like you were like Meg, Meg the Stallion. I love what you know, hip hop. Like women run hip hop. Actually, they making hip hop still be be mm-hmm. good. Actually, you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. Because they out here really spitting lyrics and really doing like so. Like it's just it's just fascinating. I think we just had a great time. So I'm proud of all. Oh, my sister, especially in this gang, Ava, Issa, Lena, Tiff, all of like, just it's so many Yvonne, it's just so many amazing black women are dope, man. That's that's the catalyst of everything. That's who I learned from. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. 
No, it's so funny. I was watching the Grammys this year with my mom because I'm I'm home for the first time in years uh, because of the pandemic. And I was saying the same thing. It was such a beautiful ceremony this year. I felt like there were just there was time for all these like really raw, real moments that you don't necessarily get the time for like in years past because everyone's trying to rush off the stage. Okay, you got to give your speech. And but there was there was just these really beautiful moments. And I think that was one of them. I'm laughing looking at Amir because Amir is from Houston. So when you started <laughs> shouting out Meg the Stallion and Beyonce, I saw her smirk go up. No, I saw your rock, your rocket's yeah. hat. And I was like, Amir, I, don't do it. I bought, I, bought a, I, I bought my Akeem Olajuwon jersey. At, uh, so so it's funny. I'm an NBA. I'm a huge basketball fan. A huge oh. Olajuwon fan. So I, I went to Jersey store, I went crazy, yeah. but I got to match everything. That's the Chicago in me. Like every, I can't wear the Houston jersey without the Houston hat. So it's like every day matches. <laughs> right. <laughs> that is such a black thing. I feel like. <laughs> I think it's Chicago because everybody will be mad. Like these LA people, they just wear anything. Like I'm, I match. Well, LA is in a different universe. Like, I'm gonna put on this sock and gonna... <laughs> everything. You don't know what. Like you literally don't know what the weather is. Looking at people in LA dress, you look out the window like. Oh, what the weather is. Well, you mentioned Mama Tina, and I know you've spoken about this before, but I have to ask you. So we know that you have a really great relationship with Mama Tina. And to be honest, everybody deserves a Mama Tina in their lives. <laughs> I feel like she's my second mom <laughs> watching her on social media. So just curious, like what even does a relationship with somebody as amazing as Mama Tina look like? Like what advice does she give you? Uh, How does she support she's you? She's insanely supportive. <laughs> Uh, Miss uh, Tina is, 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 I mean, this is how we met. We really met. Well, we met once, but she don't remember how we first met. But we all saw Black Panther together, like uh, EJ, Beyonce. Mm-hmm. I know it's not like I'm just, but we all, Miss Tina. And I sit next to Miss Tina, right? Gerard's there. Now, the best of the, I thought this was like a, I thought it was like a screening, like a, like a regular Hollywood screening. So I invited Hannibal Burris. I didn't know it was private, yeah. private, right? Until I yeah. showed up, like, oh, this is a private, private. Then Hannibal showed up at the door and everybody, like, who invited Hannibal? I was like, <laughs> Because Ryan Coogler like literally showed us one on one. We talked after the movie about it. It was oh, you're flexing now. This is a but flex. I told you. But please, continue. I didn't, at the time please, I didn't know I what I was walking into. Right, you know, Shaka Pilgrim, who's uh, you know works with Jay and good friends with Jay. That's what but I thought it was a regular screen. I didn't know it was a screen. I like whoa, whoa. like when I started walking with the security. I'm like, wait a minute, this is oh, this is private, private. Okay, y'all should have told me this. I ain't never been one of these things. Uh, I was because I was scared too. After like, damn, they ain't gonna bite me nothing else because I, I brought Hannibal. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, but no, she sat next to me and we was talking the whole time. And then I got a call out the blue, like, yo, Miss Tina wants you to host her gala. I'm like, she remember me? She's like, I guess she ended up like yeah. watching stuff after like we met and stuff and just like became a fan and a friend. And, and I hosted the gala and uh, man, she is, she's been like, I, and I tell her this all the time. I think I, I just like became like a, I, I, I feel like I was missing something in the mom thing. I wasn't sure what it was. And then Miss Tina came and, you know, I don't care if it's a text, you know, she showed it to her. I did my screen, you know, my special for uh, Live in Crenshaw, HBO. She, she, she was there and her, her last gala, she dressed me and my yeah. kids. She got all her outfits. She's always, she'll text me every once in a while, like, you're a great dad, proud of you and stuff like that. So this is like, Aww. even before I shot that special, she sent me this prayer She's like, well, real, can I see you this prayer? I used to send these prayers to Kelly and Beyonce before they perform. I'm like, what have you been sending them? Send them to me, you know? 
<laughs> and she sent me this beautiful prayer that I read in, in my dressing room by myself over and over specifically for me. And I always will appreciate that. She's such a, I told her that, say, you and my mom would have been really good friends. She's such a sweet person. Like, I like, I like the fact that, you know, we look at these super famous people, but they're like, they're legitimately good people. Right. And I love that. because Everybody ain't nice. You know what I mean? Some people are ugly. But they mm, legit yeah. are like yeah. really a beauty. Like, and that's why Beyonce has such a beautiful spirit. It's because of Miss Tina. Miss Tina and you know, and, and even her dad, like they just they did an amazing job. I love Miss Tina. Like that, that's family to me. That's amazing. Can I just say that we've done our research and we've watched you do interviews and things like that? And the thing that I love about you is that you talk so highly about your circle and how you've really mm-hmm. created this beautiful community around you of good people and even when you're mentioning names of like Hannibal and Gerard and all these people I'm just really impressed because it's not something that you hear often for anyone that's in Hollywood so shout out to you for like exuding that good energy because it's coming back to you tenfold and I I really love that I think that's a success like you look at successful people you know I'm always impressed by like for instance Issa what she's created with her team and people she worked with. And then like, you know, it's the last season of the show, but then like watching everybody branch off with deals here. And this, that's just, that's, that's yep. how you do it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like, well, I look at my group of friends, like Gerard, like, you know, Carmichael and Hannibal and Jermaine Fowler, the Lucas brothers, and Michael Che, like our group text is lit. You know what I mean? But, <laughs> but it's a good group of people who, who love supporting each other. And it's, it's been a moment, especially the last few months, just even for my friends to think about the Lucas brothers, you know, getting that Oscar nine for Judas and the Black Messiah and just Jermaine and coming to America. Mm-hmm. And then like, you know, they was hitting me up like, you got time and Jerry and this other stuff. I know, but <laughs> it's, it's just seeing these guys, man, who really love on each other. And it's so interesting. Like I, I bring up like Jermaine and all those guys. And when I lost my brother and we were shooting friends of the people and it was hard, it was really hard for me. And I, you know, I couldn't write. I couldn't concentrate. We had to write our own sketches with the sketch show we had. And they all stepped up for me, right? They got me. I went back to Chicago to be with my family. And they wrote the sketches I need to get done. And I always love all of them. I'm like, dang, these some good people. I'm thankful to God that I, I've been able to. And then even meeting newer good people. You know, I like like Ava DuVernay is somebody. Uh, man, she's so dope. And she get, doesn't mind giving you information mm-hmm. and give you real advice. And just and I wanna, I'm a sponge. So you tell me something. I'm like, I'm listening. <laughs> so it just I've been able to be blessed with just not, not just my circle of friends that are close to me, but like just mentors, Bill Bellamy, said the entertainer, you know, all those guys, you know, Bernie Mac. I never met him, but like I've always felt tied to him. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you know, so it's just I've always been like, like Mary Lindsay, who owned jokes and notes, you know what I mean? Just it's so many people that's actually been attached to me to how I got to where I'm at. And I'm very grateful for everybody that's helped me do that. It's always fascinating. It's, it's been a funny last few days. That's why I was bringing up Tiff. Me and Tiff, we had these crazy heart-to-hearts. Uh, it's always fucking she'll start crying. I'm like, man, please don't start crying because I'm in public. I don't want to bite any tear. But it's, <laughs> we just remember this, these moments. It's just like, yo, you remember when? I'm like, dude, you remember when you spoke all this stuff up? It wasn't random. And uh, it's just crazy. It's a crazy blessed time where I'm glad we're able to celebrate each other, too. I don't think Black people felt that freedom in our business. Before I think now we're comfortable saying out loud, celebrating each other. And I, I don't think it was always been that actually, you know? Yeah. You mentioned so many friends in the industry, which is beautiful. Like I'm, I'm so happy. Like this is like, it's good to see like 
black talent boom right now. Mm-hmm. And it kind of reminded me of, we recently spoke to Jay Farrow and he mentioned and told us the story of how Charlie Murphy mm-hmm. was like his mentor and like his mentor for comedy. So mm-hmm. I'm wondering like, who was your mentor? Like, or who was your mentor and who's your mentor now? I mean, like I mentioned, like, like Bill Bellamy was one of them, said the entertainer, cats like, you know, D, D Ray was a big part of a lot of stuff I did. He looked out for a lot, you know, Dion Cole. I had, I've had quite a few cats that really mentored me. And then like, once again, once you, have, you know, you start to advance, you meet more people, you have even more people that you just trust. And like, you know, Gerard Carmichael is younger than me, but he's one of the smartest people I know. So like, I would come to, I would act like, it's weird. And I'd be like, okay, Gerard, what you think about this? Like, but, uh, but you know, it's it, like JB Smooth is another man. He's always been. He's like the first headliner that was really nice to me. <laughs> <laughs> so I always like the JB's one. It's it's been. I've been like connected to some, and I think you know what's interesting. Like I remember talking to them about that, and I've heard them say that in interviews about me. But I was always chill. I've never been like an extra person. Like you know, some people are extra in your face and all that other stuff. I've always been. If I've met somebody, I sit in the cut, and then they they usually ask, "Yo, who's this dude? He's cool." Cause I'm not doing too much, you know. Cause sometimes people do too much. Like, hey, look at me, you know. I'm always doing. <laughs> they ready to holler at me, but cause that's how, like, said the entertainer became that because of that. Like, just real chill. We would just rap. He's been a big part. Like when I when I did Carl Michael's show, I never did a sitcom before. He had me come to the Soul Man set so I could see how that works with rehearsals and different things like that, and uh, giving me advice on how to like talk in front of the last of your audience, what the difference is, and. Yeah, so mm-hmm. shout out to Sid Entertainment. Even when he got his star, he invited me and gave me a shout out. I'm like, that was, you shout me out at your star thing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, outside of comedy, you kind of seamlessly made this transition from stand-up to now film and TV. Like we said before, we are fans of yours and we know you've done a lot. So some projects of note, like Get Out, Uncle Drew, The Photograph, had a cameo in Judas and the Black Messiah, and now bad trip so wondering kind of what was the transition going from like rom-com to now drama and historical drama and what shifted in like how you approach these different mediums interesting i mean for me i always try to pick things that i would watch that's where it starts at like would you watch this movie you know what i mean like okay i haven't done a movie i wouldn't watch you know what i mean so which is why i probably watch most of like the photograph i watch a lot i love that movie yeah. Yeah. I told you, you said rom-com. Uh, uh, beautiful. Issa Rae. It's all the great ingredients that you've mentioned. <laughs> it's a beautiful group of people on screen. You know what I mean? Like Tiana, like, oh, she's mm-hmm. so, she's killing it too on WandaVision. She's so good. Yeah. But that's what, that's what's funny too. Cause a lot of times it's me envisioning who I want to work with, you know, with her, I saw her, I think it was, uh, I forgot what, what I saw her in. I was like, I got to work with her one day. You know what I mean? <laughs> 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 that's going to be my wife and something. Uh-huh. But yeah, so it's so, but that's funny that we because I literally spoke that out loud and that's what ended up happening. But you know, I just really, I'm really selective about it. And then, like, I've gotten even more strategic about it because I don't want to be put in a box. Mm-hmm. So you'll see me do a Judas and the Black Messiah and, you know, a Bird Box or Uncle Drew or just all the, the next five movies coming out. They're all different. You know what I'm saying? So I try to yes. like, and now, like, I got my team now, like, looking at dramas. I'm like, yo, I want to do like three dramas straight. I want. I want to do something dark. You've got the range. <laughs> and that, but that's the fun <laughs> part about acting. Like the cats I look up to, you know, like I said, Eddie Murphy is one of, but Robin Williams is one of my favorite actors of all time because of his range, man. He was able to just to, yeah. ooh, he, he's hysterical, silly, but he can pull you in and get those tears. Like that's, that's what I want to do. I want to be able to like, 
pull people in in different ways, which is why like I'm excited about the next few movies you guys are like. Bad Trip is a great movie. It's hysterical. I think it's the funniest. Did y'all see it yet? Yes. Yes. It's just crazy. <laughs> it's so funny to me. It's like like if you like movies like Dumb and Dumb and stuff like that, where it's just insanity. That's what this is. Okay, I was talking to Amira about this before the interview. It is totally my type of comedy. It is like The Hangover meets White Chicks meets a little bit of some extra special sauce that I can't put my finger on. It was hilarious. Before we get into Bad Trip, I do want to ask you really quickly. Okay, we've seen you on screen now with like Daniel Kaluuya and Lakeith Stanfield a few times. Like it's Mm -hmm. almost like the magic trio at this point. What was it like to be reunited with those two? It was great, actually, if I could be really honest. Going on set, it's just, you know, it's funny. It feel like the Get Out group, we're like this weird, unique group of people because we didn't know what that was going to be. And all of us did that movie just really like, all right, we're going to kill all these white people and this is going to be what it is. Um, so, <laughs> like, either people gonna love it or hate it. I don't know. But it's just this beautiful relationship with these guys. Like when we on set together, if I see Daniel, it's just, it's pure happiness right away. You know what I'm saying? If I see Lakeith, uh, same thing. And watching these brilliant actors in their process too is really cool to watch. But like, it is, it's with family, man. Like, it's crazy that from a film, you could be all become friends and that's what happened. And, you know, uh, man, it's just, it's such a beautiful moment. Judas and the Black Messiah represent so many things outside of Teller Fred Hampton's story, which I, you know, not full story, but, you know, honestly, mm-hmm. the one we should talk about is them murdering a 21 year old who didn't do anything but try to do all the right thing. But it's all yeah, good. Exactly. But, you know, to to do that with these guys, I and mean, then it's another Oscar nominated movie we in, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. It is crazy. You guys did that. It's cool. yeah. The casting was crazy. And just, it's the specific story that I'm proud of the Academy for recognizing this. Because sometimes they run away from uh, certain yeah. stories if it ain't this or that. And I'm like, nah, you can't run from this. This is what it is. This, and it's a masterpiece. Shaka yeah. King. But the Lucas Brothers was working on this when we was doing our sketch show. I was like, why y'all doing all this Fred Hampton research? Wow. Yeah. Like, wow. Straight up. It's the honest <laughs> God truth. I was like, why are they doing all this? We, we used to have our desks next to each other in our office where we was right. And I was like, why y'all? Re-? But they would research random stuff anyway sometimes. That's just who Lucas Brothers is. But I'm like, why y'all doing all this Fred Hampton research, man? But yeah, and it turned out to be this. And I'm like, wow. I'm like so proud of my friends, man. And but the Daniel and Lakeith are just, oh, they're so brilliant. And to see them just just continue to kill it. It's crazy when your friends are your some of your favorite actors, man. Like, love watching it. Yeah, yeah. that's a flex. When your team, when your whole team can win and like you love them like as a talent, that's beautiful. Like it's so exciting to see a crew win constantly. Mm-hmm. It's such a cool group of dudes, man. You know, and I love those brothers. Like me and Lakeith randomly saw each other at the Grove maybe like a couple of weeks ago. It was just like, you know, we got the mask on. It's like, you know, because you don't know who anybody is. Like, <laughs> real? <laughs> and, but we were just so happy to see because none of us have seen each other since the movie's been out. So it was just like very well needed hug from a friend. Just like, fam, dude. Literally, that's what we said. It was like looking at each other like, fam. Dude, bro, you, yeah, you know what you did. Yes, you keep like it was great. <laughs> <laughs> so, bad trip on Netflix, guys. Yes. What's the biggest like challenge or highlight you've had working on this film that you've never experienced before? Where do I start? Uh, no, because <laughs> oh. <laughs> doing a prank movie, man, it, it is a it's another level, man. 
outside of the, we don't know how anybody's going to react to anything. Yes. You mm-hmm. have to stay in character. Like you really, once you get on set and out, it ain't no coming back to Lil Rail, it's Bud Malone because that's the only way this is going to work. <laughs> you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. you literally have to become who, who you're playing. And I think we just did a great job at that. Those, the people though, their reactions were so real and so dope. And that's what made it, honestly, they're the stars of the movie. We kind of just filled in the blanks. But it was, uh, I'm just, I'm proud of Eric Andre, man. Which is, once again, another one of my good friends is why I did the movie. But, you know, it's like, bro, I, hopefully this levels him up too, man. Because I think he's brilliant. You know what I'm saying? Like, I love Eric Andre. So smart. So good. And he's crazy. Like, if you're going to be that crazy, you need to be a super, super smart. Yeah. You I... do all this crazy stuff. But it's, <laughs> it's so, I'm proud of that brother, man. He wrote and did some really dope. This movie, the movie also too, weirdly enough, it does show a lot of humanity in it because people were really, it was people trying to help us. And I thought that was fascinating too because you think most yeah. people, like, it was some people angry like when we had the little traps. It was some people like, we'll walk by like, man, they better not say nothing to me. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, I, that irritated people to a level I didn't think it would bother people just because, you know, we was connected like that. They're like, what the hell is that? You know, it's like, <laughs> I don't know. I'm excited for people to see this because I think people need a good hard laugh too. And that's what this is. It's like it's hilarious. <laughs> it's really funny. It's the laugh that we deserve. We do deserve. It's the laugh that we deserve after last year. Lorel, <laughs> can you give a brief synopsis of what the film's about? Yeah, it's about two uh best friends taking a trip across country because Chris played by Eric Andre, some girl he always had a crush on and like, he thinks it's more than what it is. So we decided to take this trip and, you know, every place we go to, something ensues, right? That's why all these pranks happen at, you know, which is crazy to talk about dialogue in this because it's like, it is a prank movie, but it is dialogue, you know, like, which is why like, scenes like with us on the bus and us talking out, the prank is us talking loud, right? People are like, why are they talking yeah. so loud? <laughs> hear that, why are they business? Why are they, why are they, they best friends? What, what happened? Uh, so yeah, it's, but it is this, these two friends go across country and just craziness ensues. This, that's why it's tough. It's tough. It's tough to give a synopsis to this movie without giving away stuff, right? That, that's what it is. So it's a prank movie. It's funny. Just watch it. <laughs> watch it. It is. It is so funny. You will be laughing your behind off. I promise that. <laughs> so we have one more segment. We love to play a game, and I'm past Kirby to set it up. Sure. Okay, so we like to play a little game. It's called Truth or Cheers, where we will ask you a series of questions. And if you can answer as truthfully as possible, and if you'd like to pass on the opportunity, just say cheers and we will cheers for you. So the first question is, who would you rather be stuck on a desert island with? Daniel Kaluuya, Lakeith Stanfield, or your girl Tiffany Haddish? Tiffany Haddish. Why? Because uh, she's funny and we've known each other the longest. I mean, look, I feel like Daniel, like, at some point scared me, I guess. Like, if we've been on there too long, it just started, like, looking crazy. <laughs> and like, Keith probably loses his damn mind. So, like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I have to just mute. Tip is going to make me laugh. At least we're going to be entertained. Fair enough. <laughs> okay. If you could have any superpower in the world, what would it be? I don't know, man. Like, I'd rather be, like, well, there's two things. Because <laughs> I wear glasses, maybe, like, the vision stuff. Like, I can see stuff. But, uh <laughs> <laughs> I can finally see, but I think I want strength. I like, I just want to do strong stuff. Like just be able to just pick stuff up and throw it in. Yeah. Strength, super strength. Toss it. Okay. <laughs> you have to do a comedy show only using jokes from a peer. Whose comedic library would you choose? Eddie Murphy, Richard Pryor, or Dave Chappelle? Eddie Murphy. Hands down. Eddie Murphy. Hands yeah. down. Eddie, Eddie, 
you know, especially, you know, t- storyteller, character. Well, I mean, Richard is all a day, like, but Eddie's my guy. So, yes, Eddie Murphy. Do you have a favorite Eddie Murphy character? <sighs> it's been quite a few. You know what's funny? This is, that's why, you know, I'm a fan. It's two characters that nobody really talks about. One is the one he did on SNL. He did this, it was like this poetry slam at this jail, and he did this uh, poem called Kill My He's like, C I L L. He did like this weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's real funny. And then on one of his comedy albums, he does uh I forgot which box he does. Oh, I can't think of his name, but it's so funny, man. I got like it's such a funny like you can tap it on YouTube, like Eddie Murphy boxing. And he talks about I don't know what show it was, but man, he talks he talks about Mike Tyson, then he talks about the other uh, box he said, man, this dude is a sore loser. And he just started talking about like forget the judges. You know, it's just, and, <laughs> but Eddie, Eddie just goes into the voices, man. Like that's somebody that, and I, I'm gonna say it one more time. That's literally, I cannot wait to work with Eddie. That's my top of my bucket list on who I need to do something with is Eddie Murphy. I just want to sit down and talk to him, actually, and have a real conversation with him. It's gonna happen. Which other little in the entertainment industry would you swap lives with for one day? Little Bow Wow, Little Baby, or Little Wayne? Ooh. <laughs> Cheers. No. Uh, <laughs> It would be, it'll be little Bow Wow. Let me tell you why. I I just want to see what this brother's doing, right? Like, what are you doing? Like, what, like, what, like, what? <laughs> I want to go inside his brain. Like, what, what do you do? What do you think of yourself? Who do you think you are? Like, what goes to your mind daily? What, like, you know what I mean? Like, what Fair. random? Little Bow Wow, little Bow Wow and Ray J are the two people. I just want to know what they, but they, like, what are y'all thinking? What are, what are y'all doing? I agree. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny, but I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> oh, this is a sweet one. So you get to pass on one characteristic of your own down to your daughter and your your kids. Which trait of yours do you hope they receive? Mm, that's a good one. Well, you know something? I don't know if it's a trait, but like, I just want them to extremely believe in their dreams like like I have. I don't know what you call that, but... Freedom. Yeah, I've always... But I've, I've always been confident to just do whatever... Which I think that was passed out. Like, dream big. I want them to take that care. Like, really, I don't think it's nothing I can't do. And I want them to have that same mindset. Real tough. That's a gift because not everyone has that. That's a word. Okay, <laughs> we end every episode with the same question for our guest. And it is, if you could fill in the blank, I love being Black because. Mm, that's a great one. I love being Black because, I mean, we are powerful people. You know what I mean? Like, being Black means a lot. Like, we've especially being an African-American more than anything. Yo, we've opened so many doors up. I mean, it's a reason why people could come here and be in our movies and sell their music and open businesses and do it. Like, it's just, no matter what's been thrown at us, we've been able to still bounce back. And that's that's a lot. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes we don't think about it, but like, all, even just now, all the things we have to go through, but we still rise to the occasion. And that's what being Black is. And then just being a chocolate brother, I, I love my skin color. I love, I love how I look. I love this. <laughs> yes. This is just what it is, you know? And you know, Black is beautiful, man. That's all, more than anything. But yeah. I don't know if I over-answered it, but... No, that was perfect. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so, so much. We do this all the time, but we do want to to say that we are so proud of you. Continue doing what you're doing. Continue to to float through life in the way that you are and keep that same energy in terms of knowing that you can achieve anything you put your mind to. We loved Bad Trip. I'm going to actually watch it again. It's definitely going to be kind of another end of the week watch for me because I was crying laughing. So well done. Laughing in between meetings, which I was like, this is a problem. I have to work. (laughs) Exactly. But thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, Thanks for having me, ladies. Thank you. 
The Table's Ours is produced by us, Kirby Dixon and Amira Lawali. This episode was also produced by McKamey Lynn and Richard White and edited by Melissa Kaplan. Our researcher is Emma Fredericks. Our executive producers are Jesse Katz and Ted Butler. The Table's Ours was created by A&E. Subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. See you next week. Hi, this is Matt. And Sean. From Two Black Guys. With good credit. From a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.